Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to check out everything we do at undergroundusa.com. It doesn't take much to come to the conclusion that freedom is under attack. Everywhere we look, our rights, our constitutionally protected rights, are being diminished. From unlegislated mandates to bureaucratic edicts, to the shadow government, politically correct social engineering of a usurping fascist movement. Our freedoms are at risk of being marginalized to an irrecoverable degree. But those of us in the United States who recognize this full frontal assault on human freedoms, on our inalienable rights, are not alone. These freedoms are under attack throughout the free world, from Britain to Australia, Belgium to Argentina, and all points in between. Overreaching political activists who have navigated their ways to the seats of power are focused and intent on reconstructing global society to exist under a global government, one that pays lip service to the sovereignty of nations while it redefines exactly what freedom and liberty mean. These globalists these globalized fascists, and I use the word fascist in a literal sense, and I urge everyone everywhere to familiarize yourselves with how these reprobates establish their brands and co-op societies. These fascists are on the march. They are floating the Marxist-based dogma of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset as the kill-shot vehicle that will give them the ability to dictate to you, to me, to everyone, what freedom is and isn't. And while the smoke-screened majority just wants to get back to normal, they haven't come to fully understand, even if they suspect it, that there is no going back, that there isn't going to be a new normal until it's too late for freedom. The world, at the hands of the fascists of the global elite, from Klaus Schwab to Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and the Silicon Snowflakes, to organizations like the World Health Organization, the UN, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the World Economic Forum, the world is facing the prospect of a transformation that places the common good, as defined by the elite, ahead of freedom, liberty, and the sovereignty of individualism. The subject of freedom and the fight to advance and defend freedom, has been on kind of a biorhythm for me this week. On the one hand, I received a very depressing email from a longtime friend in Europe who's been nothing less than a foreign-born American patriot and staunch defender of freedom ever since we came to know each other in the days just after September 11, 2001. On the other hand, I came across the young man featured in our second segment today who gave me nothing but hope for the future of both our country and the world. But I'm going to start with the conversation I had via email with my friend in Europe, and I beg forgiveness for sharing it. To that end, I will not identify the individual, but allude to the sentiment conveyed as one held by many overseas. The mail was simple, and it said, 
We don't have Biden and Obama here, but at least we have their metastasis. You saw the results of Germany's recent national election to replace Merkel. Is there anything else like an alternative to Social Democrats? France will go through a presidential election in May of 2022, i.e. barely five months from now. There still are no conservative and classical liberal candidates to be seen. Macron will be re-elected 100%. Nothing will change for the better. Eric Zemmour is too weak and doesn't have any serious economic program. The other candidates are all members of the ruling elite. The result will be another five years wasted until France fully collapses for good. Regarding the UK, Johnson, at the COP26, showed that he was just part of the problem as well. I still don't understand why Brexit was hated so much, but he's even worse than at least three of his predecessors taken together, May, Cameron, and Brown. We'll soon be driving electric cars and get our electricity via wind turbines. Where I live, they are planting new wind turbines off the seashore now. They should be operational next year. All this is depressing, actually. Hopeless. I do not need this world, and the other way around. And I'm sorry to say this, but I very often consider committing suicide or asking for physical termination. It's a bit selfish, but patience has its limits. Mine have been reached for a long time now. We are governed by incompetent and arrogant leaders, and this will not change anytime soon. The impact of their decisions is huge. Then, there is the invasion of illegals, mostly of whom are male Muslim migrants. I don't see why that can't be stopped. We are heading towards global communism amid a long-lasting COVID crisis with long-term negative effects and the stupid global warming propaganda while being subjected to a large-scale replacement process. I don't have anything to do here any longer. Needless to say, the correspondence alarmed me, both for the personal feelings espoused and for the fact that someone who has been a constant and steadfast supporter and defender of freedom would be at a point where those acts would appear useless, hopeless. I responded to my friend with these words. I sometimes feel as you do, clouds growing thicker overhead. Then I look at my immediate surroundings, those who I love, and it rejuvenates me, realigns my purpose. What I do, even though I get great satisfaction from it through achievement, is not for me. It is for them. It is for her. My lovely woman, my sister, my mother, even my friends and acquaintances who don't suffer the struggle or even understand it for that matter. It may sound egotistical and narcissistic. I don't mean it to sound that way, but it is what it is. But I have come to realize that I, and those like me, including yourself, are the guardians to the shining city on the hill. We are the guardians of the very idea of freedom and liberty. It's a frightening and humbling realization, but just like the archangels the good Lord tasks with confronting and combating evil, we have no choice but to answer that call. It's our calling. It's our purpose. I often, in the past, thought those words and that feeling to be arrogant. I always believed that there were those much better equipped and stationed in the world, those who were better positioned to affect the defenses I always knew had to exist. At 60 years of age, just a few days ago, I've had the sad epiphany that it truly is, if not me, then who? Of course, with this realization comes the feeling of being overwhelmed and outgunned by a better organized and better funded group of transformative, ideological, and opportunistic globalists who have diminished education to create their own army of useful idiots. It's easy to fall into their trap, to feel as if you don't have anything to do here any longer. But that's what these twisted reprobates want us to feel. That's what they want us to believe. Reagan was fond of speaking many truths, but this one is appropriate. We are always only one generation away from losing freedom. If we're to apply the rules of physics to this, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction, then the opposite must also be true. We are always just one generation away from establishing freedom. 
I have always believed that there is a reason we crossed paths. And while I have always enjoyed our correspondence, I have always believed there was something more to it than that. I believe I am still correct in that belief. In the immediate, the goal is quite elementary and academic. It's about reintroducing the concepts of freedom and capitalism to generations who have never been taught about them, and doing so through the written word, but especially through the mediums they use. In a nutshell, my friend, while you may be thinking about walking toward the human time clock to punch out, your shift isn't over. It's time to get back to work. With regard to the exhaustion and hopelessness, I'm delivered to Washington at Valley Forge. When pay was non-existent for the Continental Army, soldiers were freezing and starving, and even leaving camp to return home, and his officers were actively plotting to depose him as commander. In reaching for his written words, Washington said, Gentlemen, you will permit me to put on my spectacles, for I have grown not only gray, but almost blind in the service of my country. He then offered up words that turn the tide of the future, concluding with this. By thus determining and thus acting, you will pursue the plain and direct road to the attainment of your wishes. You will defeat the insidious designs of our enemies, who are compelled to resort from open force to secret artifice. You will give one more distinguished proof of unexampled patriotism and patient virtue, rising superior to the pressure of the most complicated sufferings, and you will, by the dignity of your conduct, afford occasion for prosperity to say, when speaking of the glorious example you've exhibited to mankind, had this day been wanting, the world had never seen the last stage of perfection to which human nature is capable of attaining. And I would also ask you, my friend, to recall the words of John Adams as he made his case for independence before there even was a shining city on the hill. Measures of the most stupendous magnitude, measures which affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood and pain, but we must remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, and there is nothing this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania has spoken with grace and eloquence, and he has given you a grim prognostication of our nation's future. But where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world, not an empire, but a republic, and a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and their children? I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end, we have in sight, is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that our hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life I am, now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country, a free country. We are at that moment once again. Join me, my friend, in committing to a renewed declaration so perfectly spoken by Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg, but paraphrased for our times, that through today's darkness we assure that our liberties, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that governments of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. I await your thoughts, my trusted friend. As of this recording, I haven't heard back from him yet. I can't state more clearly how important it is for those who believe in the charters of freedom to hold steadfast to that commitment. Once freedom is lost, regaining it comes at an incredibly high price. But turning from my words of rally issued to my friend overseas, hope comes in the form of a 14-year-old high school freshman in Boise, Idaho named Tyler Hickson. When we come back, I'll introduce you to him, and I'm sure you'll agree there's light at the end of the tunnel and a more navigable sea just ahead.
know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Be sure to check out everything we do at undergroundusa.com. I'm talking with Tyler Higson. He is uh, the ripe old age of of, uh, 14, and he is the host of the Youth of the Nation podcast, a daily conservative news and, and news show that peppers in a little bit of comedy, maybe a little bit of animosity, kind of using the Alinsky rule of, uh, of ridicule when it comes to um, people who are trying to advance the, the fascist uh, sort of take on the United States. Tyler, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Frank. Tell me about the, the genesis of uh, the, the patriotic youth and, and how you decided to have a conservative point of view. I think that's something that is going to be very interesting for people who are listening because you are the age you are. Um, you, know, we, you know, there's the age old adage that if you're not liberal in your youth and, and conservative in your in your old age, you've got everything upside down. But we're seeing you come to your constitutional senses very early in life. So how did that happen? So uh, I used to be, uh, you know, I'm currently a freshman in high school um, and in, you know, the beginning of middle school and stuff like that, I was more of a I was never an SJW, but I was more of a rage against the machine, uh, almost libertarian socialist. Right. Uh, loved Tom Morello, Zach Della Rocha, all these people looked up to them. But I'd always had the core values. America is an amazing country. It's uh, it's a privilege to live here. And uh, I had, of course, always never looked through anything through the lens of race, and I always loved freedom. And so, really, I I just wasn't educated enough on politics. I didn't really understand the sides. All I heard was Trump bad um, and Barack Obama good. When I started to look at get involved in politics in the beginning of 2020, this is when the lockdown started coming in and, you know— of course, as as someone who's still in public education, there's of course all these false narratives that are <laughs> yeah. that are taught to our kids. Oh wait, sorry, sorry. Uh, they're they're not taught at all, according to the left. According to CNN, there's yes, no yeah, such the, thing the, as CRT. Or, yeah, there is no. I, I don't know how you, where you got that from. <laughs> sorry, I've, I've been watching uh, Alex Jones. That's only something Al, Alex Jones <laughs> could come up with. Uh, and so um, I just started getting more informed on politics. Right? I started doing some more research, and I realized everything that I've been told is a lie. Right? Columbus was not that awful. Uh, yes, he did bad things, but then again, to our standards, every single person who lived during his time did awful things. Right? It was normal for this. This was called warfare in uh, colonial times. Right? So I learned stuff like that, and I. I started looking at the Constitution and realizing, hey, why do we have a Second Amendment? Why do we have a First Amendment? Why do we have the Fifth Amendment, right? There's every single reason. There's a reason for every single amendment in the Constitution. I started looking at that and realizing why the Founding Fathers wanted what they uh, put in the Constitution. And as I realized that, I realized, hey, I don't like this whole liberal side. I don't like – I mean there's, there's reasonable liberals, uh, of course, but – it's going too far. And I decided, hey, conservative libertarian is where I am. So I believe, of course, limited government. Um, I as someone who in Idaho, which is it's one of the greatest laws, I think you can get a job at 14. And that's one of the places where I learned the most. And um, I had a job. And of course, I realized income tax is awful. <laughs> Trying getting my first paycheck and realizing that I the government wasn't there till I was working till 11 at night. Like, why, why should they get a cut? So uh, I started waking up to these things and started to realize I, I'm a conservative. And so from then, I've just been, you know, more educating myself on politics, on different issues. 
uh, and just starting to form my opinions. I don't have all my opinions formed, but my basics wa- basic ones is I love freedom, I'm pro-life, and uh, I love America. And that's basically how I started it, uh, my podcast, which originally started uh, as more of just me talking into a microphone about whatever the heck I wanted. And then uh, it started veering, veering towards pod, uh, politics, and you know, I, I realized, hey, people like listening to this kind of thing. Uh, I enjoy doing it, so uh, I then started the Patriotic Youth, which is my podcast network. Um, that includes shows like we had the da- Jackson Danforth show, we have right now Politically Insane, as well as my podcast, The Youth of the Nation. And it's just getting younger, younger people, uh, young adults, as well as uh, you know, teenagers, people in high school, college, getting them together to start to wake up to the narratives that are that are they're they're taught in schools and stuff like that and realize hey you might think maybe maybe you want higher taxes but can we all agree on one thing america is the greatest country in the world freedom is amazing and we need to protect the constitution if we can all agree my my whole message is if we can all agree on that we can live in a country together so when you, when we talk about that specific demographic let's say your your age group maybe a little older um touch on the on the younger side People who are in school going through a process that is uh, pretty much indoctrination from my vantage point. Why do you think that more of the kids your age are not waking up to what you've understood? What's the impediment for them to understand that what I'm learning isn't necessarily based in the in the reality of how our nation was formed? Well, one of the things I think is a huge issue is not only the the school system, right? If you're told at a young age that America is a bad country, at a young age, you don't question things. You don't think critically. You don't think about, hey, maybe what this person is telling me is right. You think of something like Santa Claus. You know, if you've got kids listening, adults, uh, I would just turn this off quickly. But kids believe that Santa Claus is real. Santa Claus, of course, sadly is not real. That was, of course, a shock to me as a kid. But as a kid, your parents tell you that, and it's, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense, a a fat dude flying on a sleigh going through your chimney somehow delivering gifts, right? You don't think about this and go, hey, how could this be wrong? Uh, And you you don't think about someone lying to you. This is the same thing in schools. So I think that's the first reason. If at a young age you're told that America is bad, if at a young age you're told that uh, a boy can be a girl or them or whatever thing they want to identify as that they can – Kids believe that. Another thing that I realize is victim culture, right? When you have all these people who play the victim, there is a, especially in schools, who it's it's a it's a contest to see who is the most victimized. We see this with especially girls, teenage girls. This happens a lot, especially with social media. Is you'll have things like anorexia was a big one, right? Everyone wanted was comparing like who could be skinnier, right? Uh, Who could be more anorexic? There was another thing where the cool thing was to have depression, right, and to want to take your own life. Like that, that's it's it's messed up, but that's what what kids, whoever was more depressed, was more popular, right? I never understood that one, but now it's whoever can check whatever victim group, whether it's uh, being an ethnic minority, whether it's being uh, your sexuality, whether it's gay, lesbian, whatever. are, are you a woman or a man, right? Whatever you're identifying as as in that moment. And when you get that popularity from being a victim, you don't want to let go of that. So you're going to feed into whatever narrative allows you to be that victim. And so I think that's uh, one of the main ones. And then another one is just politics are boring. Okay, well, I wouldn't say boring necessarily, <laughs> but to most kids, you know, I, I always call it pol- American politics is a dumpster fire, right? It's Who's going to put it out? We don't know. Who started it? We don't know. Uh, but it's just it just keeps blazing. And uh, now we've got uh, you know, people in office such as Joe Biden. We've got Nancy Pelosi. We have you know the establishment uh, Republicans, Mitch McConnell, uh, Mitt Romney, all these guys who they just don't do anything. And uh, that's that's one of the big things that I wish people would wake up to. Uh, especially younger generations, is the politicians aren't fighting for you. And so one of the things that uh, I I think the youth misses out on is when someone starts talking about politics, of course it's boring. And I don't think kids understand how that affects your life, right? 
until you start getting out into the real world, until you start you get a job, right? And you take home your first check and the government took a took a chunk out of it, right? You don't you don't realize how politics affects you until you're really in the real world. And I think that's why kids need to start realizing at an early age, there's certain things that uh, are going to affect you in your life that is going to be passed through Congress and stuff like that. And I think especially high school, I don't think little kids need to get involved in politics, but of course, high schoolers, you're about to hop into the real world. You're about to start voting. You guys need to wake up and start realizing, hey, what is what is first my moral beliefs? And then from there, you can decide what your political beliefs are. We've identified that one of the the bigger maladies in all of this is the the culture that deems weakness as being cool, um, the the balkanized kind of demographic, um, making sure that you belong to the cool club, which kind of keeps you sequestered from becoming cohesive and understanding anything. From your vantage point, somebody who's actually had that moment where you've where you've awoken to the reality and and the way that politics and government actually affect your daily life, when you approach somebody who's perhaps not aware, they're they're still into the it's cool to be a victim type thing. How do you approach them? When you're talking to them to try to advance them to uh, the open door of where the light exists. Well, the first thing you got to do is, of course, you have to come from a side of compassion, right? If you show up to a debate and the first thing you do is call them an idiot, they immediately tune you out, right? If you're immediately assuming that every single thing that's going to come out of their mouth is wrong and stupid, you're not going to get out anywhere, and you might as well not get into a conversation about politics. You might as well talk about something else, whether that be football, but even then you're going to get in a debate uh, over you know, who's the best team. The first thing, of course, you come with a sense of compassion. right? You go, okay, I understand why you think this way. Uh, for example, my I've got a very conservative friend group. Uh, I don't know how often, uh, you, if you've listened to any of the episodes, but I have – uh, two to three co-hosts, depending on the day. Um, the, they're all my buddies. I've got my producer, and then all my buddies. Right? We're we're all kind. Of, we're all center uh, right, but we all have completely different beliefs. We also have some other friends who are more liberal, and we got into a debate on abortion. And so we have uh, one person who in our in our friend group who is super super pro abortion, uh, not realizing what it was. And you have to come – you have to realize they might not know what you know, so don't make them feel stupid immediately. What you got to do is you got to let them know, okay, here's actually how abortion works, all right? You, you tell them – you have to come – again, compassion is the biggest thing. You got to come up to them, and instead of calling them an idiot, you have to explain to them, all right, I understand why you think that, and I understand you know, in cases of rape and incest and when the woman's health is in danger – but that's statistically not the – that's not most of the abortions. That's less than 1% that you got to come up to them with that. And once you actually show them statistics, don't make any claims, of course, that you cannot verify with statistics. Once you can do that and if they're willing to – if you're in a debate with someone who's willing to open their eyes and start looking at things, you will, you will do well uh, talking to them as long as you're not, again, calling them an idiot because they don't believe the same thing and just – talking to them, right? If they think they're a victim, explain to them, can you give me any instances and maybe break down, can you give me any evidence? And that will get them thinking, right? My uh, favorite uh, debate I've ever been in is I, I had a, a buddy who was half black and uh, I have another buddy who's, who's uh, from Nigeria and we were talking about victim culture and my buddy from Nigeria goes, can you give me any instances where you have uh, been discriminated against because of your race? She couldn't come up with anything, right? She couldn't come up with anything, and that got her thinking. Huh, maybe I've been thinking about this all wrong. Maybe maybe actually those were just jerks, and I because I've been told that uh, everything's through the lens of race, that I just assumed that that was racist when in reality they might have just been having a bad day or they're just naturally a jerk to everyone. And so that's again, compassion is the biggest thing when you're debating with someone. Yeah, you can't come at uh, you can't come at people with contempt and expect them to to be open to you. That's for sure. We're talking to Tyler Higson, 
Yeah. Uh, he is the major guru over at uh, the Patriotic Youth Organization, and he's the host of the podcast, uh, The Youth of the Nation. Um, the thing that that sparked me to have Tyler come on the show is the fact that he is a freshman in high school at the age of 14, and he's talking more intelligently than a lot of people I know who run for office. Uh, Tyler, when you're talking to uh, your peers, uh, whether on the show or off the show or in the context of your of your organization or just as just as peers, what are some of the issues that that do spark the interest of of your peer group? What are they concerned about when they when they do consider what's going on in the world? The first thing is, of course, I believe the biggest issue that faces youth today, of course, is abortion uh, because they're they're. People who will never have a youth because they're they're killed immediately. Uh, but the ones that there is always common ground. I, I've got people who super pro vaccine, pro mask, right? They've been scared about this thing. But the one thing we can always agree on is freedom is the the most important thing. All right. And these are the people that you can you can make common ground with. I have a buddy. He's he's fully vaccinated. Um, he was pro mask until the vaccine comes out. Uh, came out. He's more on Ben Shapiro's side when it comes to COVID, right? But he is completely against the vaccine mandate because he thinks it's a personal choice. When you can make common ground, such as freedom, uh, that's that's probably the biggest one that you can make common ground with someone because everyone likes freedom. Whether they like to admit it or not, they like freedom. And I know people don't, one of the reasons why people don't like freedom sometimes is, oh, well, there there comes risks with freedom, right? Having a second amendment comes risks. But when you start showing them the advantages of having a Second Amendment, you can keep your government in check. You have the right to defend yourself. And they go, you show them how many, if you go to the CDC, you can find how many people are saved by guns a year. And that's just, that can be anything from shooting someone, uh, as you saw with Kyle Rittenhouse, or just brandishing the firearm. Just having a concealed carry and just going, yo, I'm armed. And the guy goes, oh, I don't want to pick on you because you're armed. So most people like freedom. That's that's uh, the big thing. The second thing I would say, honestly, is taxes and people who, you know, politicians are always super pro tax. And then you've got uh, people on the right who they're only Mitt Romney type people who all they say is just lower taxes. But I do think that is an issue that people don't like paying taxes. All right. When you get your first <laughs> paycheck, you don't like the fact that that is taken. Right. This is a country founded on hating taxes. That's that's one of the reasons why we started the the revolution. We we had a we threw tea into the harbor because we didn't like the tax on it. We are a country basically built on the fact that we don't like taxes. So I think most people, once they get in, they go into the real world, get a job, whatever. They go, hey, I don't like taxes. And then when they realize what it's actually being spent on, unnecessary things, right? They're not getting any of that money back. Instead of getting you know, it used to be, hey, we pay we pay taxes, our roads get built, and I don't know, maybe our police force works. But now that doesn't happen. Now it's I mean, this is this is a true thing in the I believe it was the omnibus spending bill that they, they sent I believe it was ten million dollars, don't quote me on this, but ten million dollars to gender studies in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Why in the world do we need to pay for gender studies in Pakistan? I don't know. Okay. Especially in Pakistan, like they're sort of controlled by the Taliban. They're not going to be a fan of their gender studies. And so it's it's a waste of money when we could be using that ten million dollars to go fix uh, roads or, hey, I know this is controversial, but I don't know, build a wall to stop the illegal immigration into this country. Uh, that's that's the thing is it the, the tax money doesn't come back and people are starting to realize that. And I think those are the two issues where you can start finding common ground. And then from there, it's a chain reaction. It's the domino effect, right? They realize, oh, I've been lied to about this. What else have I been lied to? And then they start to wake up. When you when you do have, and, and I'm almost certain that you have had some types of confrontations, maybe not angry or violent or anything like that, but just ideological confrontations with people who who have an opposing viewpoint on this. Um, that maybe even champion Nancy Pelosi's idea for turtle tunnels in her district. Uh, we have to spend $10 million to make sure the turtles don't get crushed on the expressway. Um, how prevalent 
are people who defend that kind of a stance? And are they vulnerable when you start telling people about expenditures like that? When their eyes do open, do they change their tune? I guess in a, in a, a better way to phrase the question is this. When you expose the government, and, and this, I'm focusing specifically on taxes here, when you expose the waste and the opportunistic spending that politicians do um, based on our tax dollars, do they wake up? Does the light bulb go off? Do they do they disagree with it and you see that pivot in them or do they try to defend it a little bit? So you have two types of people, like I've said, when you're when you're debating, you have the people who hold on to their ideas. They believe you're deeply racist if you think uh whether it be, hey, we should have a merit-based uh, lifestyle, right? If you're the best at the job, you get the job. Uh, you have those people who they're, you're not going to change their mind no matter what you say, okay? Then you're going to have those people who are more on the fence, right? They don't really know what they're thinking about, or maybe they're open-minded. They have firm beliefs, but they, they are open-minded to hearing other sides. That is me. I am – if a, like a complete socialist can tell me, come up with a good idea, I might – disagree with everything but that one thing and we can find common ground on that so if you are faced with those people who don't want to change their ideas no matter what you tell them you're not going to get anywhere you can tell them about anything uh that's going on with government and they will find a reason to to justify it now with the people who are sort of center center left who are open on open-minded and you can have conversations with a lot of times uh you will you will tell them what it's been. So you go, okay, do you believe in the infrastructure bill? This is just something that got passed, right? And they go, yeah, yeah, I think we need to pay for The government should be paying for infrastructure. That, that's kind of their job, right? That's one of their jobs. But the issue is when you start picking out certain pieces of that bill and telling them, then they go, huh, why, do, why is that in the infrastructure bill? Or something like the uh, stimulus checks and the ominous uh, spending bill. Omnibus, sorry. When uh, I would talk to people about that one, they go, yeah, no, I think we need to get the stimulus money. And then I'd go, yes, but it, it's not all going to you, right? The omnibus spending bill, again, I, bring, I always bring this, this case up, but the $10 million going to gender studies in Pakistan, what is that doing for you? And then they go, huh, maybe we don't need that. And it gets them thinking. Once you get people thinking about the issues, it's domino effect, like I said earlier. I mean, it's what happened to me. Once I started thinking about one in- issue – you start going down down the rabbit hole, figuring out what else have I been lied to about? When you look at that, and I'm not going to hold you to this, but I'm, I'm looking for an approximation. What percentage of the people that you encounter are that you can't move me from my stance, you're a racist type of mentality? Is it is it a small piece? Because I'm I tend to when I talk to people, the overwhelming majority 85, maybe even 90% of the people, I have determined that we all live in the middle. We all have common ground. We all want a better life for for our kids. And when we leave, we want to have a nice house. We want to be able to thrive. We want to be able to pursue happiness the way that we have been guaranteed to do by natural right. So most of the agitation, as far as I see it, from my perspective, is coming from the very far fringes on on both the right and the left. When you're talking to people in your peer group, is that still true? Is it a minority of people, a small minority of people who are cemented in that thought process, or is the far left making inroads with the youth? It's it's a little hard to figure out because I do live in a a very uh, blue city in Idaho, right? It's probably the only blue city in Idaho, um, and I live in probably the most progressive part of it. In my neighborhood, there was probably only three other people who were conservative. One of them is my producer, and then there's there's one guy who, you know, he's he's watching that Tucker Carlson guy, so he's probably a far right extremist. But um, the one thing that I I will point out is I think. A lot of people are center. A lot of people, they might not be right. They're center left or center right. But they probably don't hear from them because, like you said, the fringes. My uh, producer always says stupidest people are always the loudest. Uh, as a, in math class, you'll always have the stupid kid who, who at the top of his lung thinks he knows the answer but doesn't at all, right? 
when you have the far left and the far right, they are always the loudest. I mean, if you, I don't know if you ever listened to Timcast IRL, but they just did a massive podcast and Alex Jones was there. Now Alex Jones was the loudest person there. He would not shut up. Now, at this point, he's he's been right so many times. It's kind of scary. But that's the thing is when you have the, the feminist who's screaming in your face about the patriarchy and you're racist and you're heteronormative, sexual, whatever the heck, what other buzzwords they're going to use. And then you have the, the right, uh, people like Alex Jones. That's all you hear. And if that's all you hear, that's all you think there is. But when you actually go and talk to people – most people are are center left uh, and center right. No. The issue is, is they don't speak up. They don't speak up. No, I, I wanted to hit on this before before we we wrap up. You're writing a book, and it's called uh, "History Repeats Itself" about the tactics of uh, totalitarian regimes and how they're they're aggressively uh, attacking the societies around the world. Tell the listeners a little bit about that. And uh, and then we'll get into how they can contact you and how they can get involved and where they can hear the podcast. I've been writing a book. History repeats itself for, I believe, six or seven months now. Um, and it's going at a snail pace, guys. If if we're lucky, <laughs> it'll be done uh, by the time Congress passes the next bill. Because um, no, Congress <laughs> takes forever to do anything. So I, I'm writing a strong suit. There's a reason why I talk. But. The basis of the book is I'm looking at all these totalitarian regimes from everywhere from ancient Rome, the Roman Empire, where you had Caesar, all the way to uh, Chavez in Venezuela. And we're looking at whether it be the Nazis, the communists, the fascists, uh, or you're looking at the Bolsheviks in Russia. If you're looking at the uh, Jacobins in uh, during the French Revolution, they all used the same tactics. There's a playbook that dictators use every single time. And the goal of the book is to expose that and to show it's not changed. Here in America, people are still using those same tactics. And I'll just give you the, the top three ones they use, of course, is taking away the uh, Second Amendment. Uh, that happened in Nazi Germany, Venezuela, uh, Soviet Russia. It happens everywhere. The right to defend themselves. The second is censoring the other side. Once you start censoring the other side, then it looks like you're the only right answer because there's no opposition. And then the third thing that happens at everything is dividing people. When you divide people, you can conquer. That's why there's the, the uh, I, I don't know if the saying divide and conquer comes from that, but uh, you can, once you have a div, uh, divided people, you can come in as a solution. And so those are the three main things that we're talking about in the books and uh, what's similar to them. And I mean, right now, right now, it's mostly the leftists in our government right now, but also people on the right who are the establishment, I call them, all conservatives call them, the, the establishment, what they are using and what similar tactics they are using. So, Tyler, how can people hear the show? Uh, so the easiest way is you can, all, of course, go to your favorite podcast app and uh, look up Youth of the Nation, uh, and you'll find our podcast. Now, there is there is two. There is two podcasts uh, of mine. The one that has like 100-something episodes is the right one, not the 15. That's my old show. Uh, the new one is the one that has like 115 episodes, something like that. Um, as well as you can go to thepatrioticyouth.com, and that is that is the easiest way to find the podcast. You can also find all our other podcasts, such as uh, Politically Insane, and uh, you can also find articles written there, as well as our show notes, because on the podcast, we believe uh, that all sources should be available. It's a highly researched show, uh, so we have 60 to 80 sources an episode that you can go view. They're all leftist sources as well. We very rarely use a right-wing source. Um, and so you can go check that out. As well as our merch shop is there. You can find cool shirts. Uh, there's, no, there's no camera, but um, I've got a Socialism Destroy shirt on right now that you can get <laughs> at thepatrioticyouth.com slash shop. And uh, you can also, we're starting a locals community, so if you want to help support us there, you can go to thepatrioticyouth.com uh, and click the members button. Or go to thepatrioticyouth.locals.com. Very good, Tyler. You give me uh, you give me hope for the future. I, I've, I've enjoyed our conversation, oh, and yeah. uh, I hope that when uh, when something strikes you that you need to that you want to make sure is is blasted out there far and wide, just shoot me a shoot me an email, man, and say, hey, I got I need 15 minutes, and we'll get you back on the program. Thanks for coming on today, Tyler. And I want everybody to go to his website. 
thepatrioticyouth.com. Explore everything that he's doing. And if you've got kids, if you've got high school kids in your house, introduce them to the podcast. Get them involved. You know, reach out to Tyler. Something tells me that if if somebody asks, how do I start a chapter where I am, you're going to get a mouthful from this kid. So, Tyler, thanks for coming on Underground USA, uh, and, I, and I hope we speak again. I'm Judson Carroll, and I'm an herbalist. I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. It's available wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It's a show with a conservative Christian worldview, and it's about a lot more than just herbal medicine. It's about an independent way of life, being more self-reliant, less reliant on the government, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the supply chain. With freedom comes responsibility. Sometimes that responsibility is putting food on the table. Other times it's caring for yourself and your family with home remedies. So give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it, and it may just save your life. They say that every generation has its insurmountable challenge. From the unlikely victory in the American Civil War, to holding the Union together through the U.S. Civil War, to pushing back against the murderous fascists and socialists of the First and Second World Wars, each American generation has been called upon to put it all on the line, to sacrifice for a commitment to defend freedom and liberty, to defend the Republic and the shining city on the hill, to protect the very idea of individual liberty, freedom, and equality and opportunity for all, everywhere, from the United States to the most distant shores of the globe. Today, we face a better organized and financed enemy, one that uses the full complement of Alinsky's rules for radicals, and one that has deceived its way to the seats of power to effect transformative change. We are facing a foe that means to reconfigure the world's power structure to their will, the casualty of that transformation being individualism, national sovereignty, and freedom itself. In this new world order, you will do as you're told, or you will be culled from society. If you don't get vaccinated from the next incarnation of viral variant, you will be unemployable. If you speak out against the powers that be, because they will control the newly minted digital fiat currencies of the world, and will have outlawed cryptocurrency under the ridiculous guise that it's unsafe for consumers, you will have your financial wherewithal sequestered, rendering you indigent. In fact, even your longevity will be questioned. I need only refer to the words of Zeke Emanuel, the chief architect of Obamacare, to justify that statement. Emanuel believes that by age 75, for the vast majority of people around the world, quote, creativity, originality, and productivity are pretty much gone. I look at 75 uh, when I look at all the data on physical disability, dementia and Alzheimer's disease, loss of creativity, slowing down of the mind and the body, and 75 seems like that, you know, albeit somewhat arbitrary moment, the data are that uh, we, as we've aged, we've actually added more years of disability, uh, so there's not a compression of morbidity, there's actually been an expansion, uh, and that I think is, it's somewhat distressing to people to realize, yes, we'll live longer, but we'll also live with more functional limitations, less able to move around, more mental limitations, more psychological depression, uh, and other uh, mental uh, problems. I think if you're uh, just confined to a chair or you're uh, demented or you're uh, sort of just very slow, it may not be as meaningful as uh, we tried to project. Look, by 75, it really is a complete life. You will have grown up, you will have uh, picked a career, worked hard in the career, had kids, raised them, had grandchildren. I mean, what more could you ask? That's a very rich, rich life. That the global elites are proponents of eugenics, something long held by the elites dating back to the fascists of the Wilsonian era at the turn of the 20th century in the United States, that they like eugenics is not news given how they sequestered and then compromised the elderly during the COVID scheme, how can we not come to the understanding that they want to control our lives completely? From controlling our health and finances to controlling the supply chain where food and medicine is concerned, 
The global elite are at the edge of the abyss, looking into the darkness, insisting there is light. Freedom Freedom is the common ground on which we can all stand to come together to push back against this drunk-with-power ruling class, and we must. No one else is going to do it. We must educate our children on the promise of freedom, individual freedom, and how capitalism and American individualism have been the only avenues to upward mobility and the only pathway to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness throughout the history of man. We must have these conversations because the fascist global elites have expunged these topics from government-run schools. And we must have the uncomfortable conversations about freedom and capitalism with those of our friends who are blinded by the fascist smokescreen of propaganda. Just as I begged of my friend overseas, we need those who understand the critical importance of preserving true freedom to rejuvenate, to recommit to that belief. We have to enjoin more to the effort, and we must succeed in that effort. We may have to start from the vantage point of an underground movement, but we must dedicate ourselves to a journey to the light, and we must be successful in our efforts. The truth of the matter is this. If they bulldoze the shining city on the hill, if they're successful in redefining freedom to include boundaries that destroy the very essence of freedom itself, the world will fall to the history of lords and serfs. We will all exist as indentured servants to the ruling class. The Hunger Games will no longer be fiction, and we will all be living outside of Capital City. We will all be living in District 12. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Check out everything we do at undergroundusa.com. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> 